right, everybody. Welcome to this Thursday edition of the Logan Blackman Show here on the Basement Podcast. I'm, of course, your host, Logan Blackman. And just before we get into everything, might as well just do this from the start. Go follow the Logan Blackman Show on all different forms of social media, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Subscribe to the YouTube. Do whatever you want. Just make sure you go and follow all the Logan Blackman Show social media accounts at the underscore LB underscore shows, the Twitter account, the Logan Blackman Show on Instagram. Go like the Facebook page. And again, go subscribe to the YouTube channel where we will be posting videos. Try to post videos around three times a week because I want to upload podcast footage, which I'm going to do Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays. I don't have enough time in the day to keep doing them on Tuesdays and Thursdays, so we're just going to be focusing on the Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays. But of course, we did not have a video yesterday. I was really, really tired. I just what I... I just couldn't be bothered to make a video yesterday. I'm going to be 100% honest. I just did not want to make a video. And you can call it laziness. I don't really care. Uh, I just didn't want to make one. I was tired. I was hungry. I just didn't want to make a video. It was not my day. Yesterday, after I got done with work, I was barely got the show in. I was so unmotivated to do the show. I had to motivate. That was the hardest part of the show yesterday, was motivating myself. To actually doing the show. Because I was like, oh my god, my head hurts. I'm tired. My allergies are acting up. This is terrible. I don't want to do this show today. But eventually, we got around to it. And once we got into it, I would say... And I'm being biased, of course, because it's my show. But that was one of the best shows we've had in a while. Once we actually got going with everything. I had a lot of fun recording yesterday, if I'm being 100% honest. I Yesterday was always fun. I love, I love Stay Woke Wednesdays. They're my favorite segment on the logan blackman show or one of my favorite segments we got top five dumbest coming up this friday we haven't done that in two weeks or three weeks because we didn't do one last week because of the funeral and we didn't do one the week before that because we don't we only do it every other week so then it's scheduled for this week and we need to still figure out which team we are going to do i kind of want to do the new england patriots just because of the fact that they've been the most dominant team in the nfl over the last 20 seasons and prior to 2000, they haven't really had a, a great history. They have a couple of good players throughout their history. Some would say great players, but that's it. A, a couple good players, a couple of great players. Uh, they went to one Super Bowl in 80, or um, two Super Bowls, I guess. One in 85, where they got absolutely schlacked by the Chicago Bears. Were in the worst Super Bowl, probably of all time. One of the most mismatched, one of the most... Um, highly uncontested Super Bowls of all time, and they went to the one in the 90s with Drew Bledsoe losing to the Green Bay Packers with Bill Parcells as the head coach. But before 2000, there wasn't a great historic team there. If you're looking at the Patriots, if we, if they did the exact same thing that were coming from the 20th century into the 21st century, imagine Belichick stays with the New York Jets and Tom Brady. God knows where Tom Brady goes. Does he go to the Jets? Because Bill Belichick really liked Tom Brady coming out of the draft. I know he only got him in the sixth round, but he's like, man, we we got this Brady kid sitting there in the sixth round. We got to take him. So what would happen to Tom Brady? What would happen to the Patriots? Well, I can tell you this. The Patriots would not be one of the greatest teams of all time, one of the greatest dynasties of all time. And sadly, (laughs) this is kind of funny, maybe it'd be the New York Jets. (laughs) If Belichick didn't quit the New York Jets head coaching job within a couple minutes of getting the job which is so funny I love that story and it's the epitome of the New York Jets as a franchise 
You had the greatest coach of all time in your grasp. And you let him go to a division rival. Now, they got draft picks for him. Because they wouldn't let him just walk away. But, man, what a New York Jets situation to be in. But with Stay Woke Wednesday, uh, we go through a bunch of different Instagram accounts. Most, mostly Instagram accounts. I guess there's Twitter accounts and stuff as well. There's ESPN articles. Sometimes there's articles from other big news web- websites. Uh, Nick Wright always has something interesting to say. He hasn't been featured in a while, but he always has something interesting and or stupid, mostly stupid to say, quite a bit from Fox Sports. But yesterday we featured a page, and I was going to save this till next Wednesday, but I really can't. This is, this page uh, made me like cringe a little bit when I was looking at it last night. Cause it, it popped up on my Explore page again. And I brought this show, this uh, page up yesterday, Diaz D-N-F-L. Diaz D-E-N-F-L. I don't know how to say is that Instagram account name, Diaz D-N-F-L, Diaz D-N-F-L, whatever. We brought him up yesterday. And he popped up on my Explore page again, and he was tweeting out some predictions. Or she, I don't, I'm not judging. I don't know if it was a he or she that runs this page. I know their last name is Diaz. Even if it's, if it's not Diaz, then I don't know who the, I don't know who this is then, but man, I actually went exploring on their Instagram page last night and good Lord, there's some really interesting takes on there for this. So I took a screenshot of this cause I had this yesterday, but usually after stay woke Wednesdays, I delete the pictures that I had from to that day because I don't need it clogging up my memory on my phone. Just keep screenshotting things. Then I'll have a, like a 1,500 pictures in my phone. And I don't need that. If I just kept every Stay Woke Wednesday. Because there's always a lot of pictures that comes from Stay Woke Wednesday. But we had this one yesterday. Ranking every NFC team by category. Overrated, underrated, or just right. Remember we talked about that yesterday. And I was like, I don't really have a lot of problems with this. Which I still don't. But on his Instagram account, he posted record predictions for these teams. And there were three in particular that I was like, that kind of contradicts what you just said. Like what we talked about yesterday with the NFC North report thing, with the best team overall is the Packers, when, and throughout the entire division, they don't take up the most squares. Wouldn't you think if they're the best overall, they would have the biggest number overall of sticker, I don't know if you want to call them stickers, but logos on this thing? call them the best overall and then also overrated at the same time it's a very interesting tactic to go there are you overrating them i don't really know but ranking every nfc team by category and uh let's just start I circle three teams here i got an afc one as well because that one's equally ridiculous as this one but actually I, I would probably say more ranking every nfc team by category we'll start off with the arizona cardinals he has them as overrated which is fair a lot of people are expecting big things from the Cardinals. I have them going around 9-7 and seven in my unofficial predictions for this upcoming season because we did that when the NFL schedule first came out. So maybe people are overrating the Cardinals. Sure. Because they got DeAndre Hopkins, they got Isaiah Simmons in the draft, Josh Jones in the draft, which helps sure up that offensive line with DJ Humphreys, Kyler Murray in year two, Larry Fitzgerald, Christian Kirk, Andy Isabella, Hakeem Butler. They got They got weapons. Defense still is a work in progress, but they've got weapons on the outside. So he has them as overrated, while also having them 11-5. and five. You are overrated. You're saying they're overrated. 
then why the hell are you putting them 11 and 5? If you're saying they're overrated, they should be, by my estimates, 9 and 7 at the best. Because they're like, oh man, this team's not going to be as good as what people say. You're saying they're better <laughs> than what people are saying. I don't see a lot of people out there shouting from the rooftops the Cardinals are going to be 11 and 5 this year, especially with the two two of the best teams, if not the two best NFC teams in your division in the 49ers and the Seattle Seahawks. 11 and 5, I can't see happening. But you literally just said in the the swipe over, overrated. Yet you have the Cardinals going 11 and 5. That doesn't make a lot of sense. Uh moving on to the next one, the Chicago Bears, underrated. It's like, yeah, that's fair. A lot of people don't really know what their offense is going to do, whether it's going to be Trubisky, whether it's going to be Nick Foles' quarterback. It's all dependent on can their offense keep up with their defense because the Bears' defense is good enough. This reminds me of the Bills from two years ago. Bills finished 6-10, had the number two defense in the NFL, offense sputtered a lot. Josh Allen's rookie year, they struggled. Had a lot of bad options outside, not great offensive line. Bears have a better offensive line and better wide receivers, but their quarterback situation is not as good as the Bills was. That That's saying something because the Bills pl- started Nathan Peterman and a recently off the golf course Derek Anderson to start games against the likes of the Colts, Bears, and New England Patriots, among others as well. But he has the Bears as underrated. He has them finishing 2-14. and 14. You just called them underrated. And you, yourself, and your predictions have them going 2-14. and 14. That doesn't make... You're calling them underrated. I don't think I've seen a lot of people say the Bears are going to finish 2-14. and 14. What, what kind of prediction is this? <laughs> You're underrating the Bears more underrated than they already are. 2-14? <laughs> and 14? Good Lord. Usually, when I say a team is underrated, I'm going to have them going better than what the national media might have them going. I don't go, oh, this team's underrated, and then put them at 2-14. and 14. That doesn't make any sense. The same thing could be said for the Washington Redskins. He has them going at 2-14 and 14 as well. How could you say underrated and then rank them at 2-14? and 14? Does that make any sense? Or am I just going crazy? If I said a team is overrated, I'm going to have them going worse than what the national media is saying they're going to go. Or if they're underrated, I'm going to have them going better than what the national media is going to go. I'm not going to go, oh, this team's underrated, and then just go 2-14 and 14 for a team that a lot of people expect to win at least five games this year for the Chicago Bears. And overrated team that is expected to win around nine games this year will rate them so much to the fact that they're winning 11 games now. One game behind the reigning NFC champs, San Francisco 49ers, who he has them finishing 12-4, and four, who got better from last year. The Cardinals going to be one game worse than them and two games worse than the Seattle Seahawks. Like, wh- what? <laughs> you can't underrate somebody and then say they're going 2-14. and 14. What, are, what are you thinking they're going to go then? Or what do you think the national media is telling them to go? If they're underrated and you have them going 2-14, and 14, were they going to go winless? What was the plan here? And then the AFC, good Lord, there's even funnier ones in the AFC. The Cleveland Browns are overrated, which is fair. The Browns were expected to win around 9-10 games last year and won 6. So you could expect going into this season, 
oh, I'm not going to buy the Browns hype. But I would have them going around. I would have I have them winning nine. I think I had them going nine and seven this year. Maybe they're a lot better than they were last year. Off the lines vastly improved. They got a better tight end in Austin Hooper there. They've got some improvements on defense now. They lost Joe Schobert, but I still think offensively they are vastly improved. But overrated to the fact that the Browns are going two and fourteen. Now I don't know if he accidentally got the Browns and Bengals logo slipped around because he has the Bengals going to five and eleven. But the Bengals are not better than two and fourteen. How overrated are the Browns that you think they're going to go two and fourteen? That is a seven-game flip of what myself thinks on the Browns this year, or what I think the Browns are going to do this year. That doesn't make any sense. Yes, they're overrated, sure, but you're going to put them at 2-14. and 14. Next one, Chargers and Raiders. They're underrated. Chargers going 4-12, and 12, the Raiders finishing 3-13. and 13. You're underrating those teams. <laughs> is, this, is this like thing going like, oh, I'm underrating these teams, so this is what I'm thinking. Not with everybody else is saying like, oh, they're overrated the national media. I'm underrating them. So they're going to finish two and 14. That's ridiculous. This dude has 6,000 Instagram followers or girl. I don't judge. They have over 6,000 Instagram followers to make this page. I have, um, 87 on Twitter. I have 55, 56 on Instagram. And I have 112 likes on Facebook. You add those together, you don't get anywhere close to this page. And he's making dumb predictions like that. And he hasn't even released predictions for the AFC East yet. But the AFC South is the best one out of all of them. Out of all the things I've said, the AFC South is by far the best one. And it's the Tennessee Titans as overrated. Do you want to know what this genius of the NFL media has to say about the Tennessee Titans. And he tweeted this two hours before I saw this. He had the Tennessee Titans going, okay, let me get my glasses checked or glasses fixed. I don't wear glasses, but I thought it'd be funny for this. Three and 13 or no, wait, no, 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 no. I had it backwards. 13 and three. <laughs> Nobody has the Titans going three, 13 and three. <laughs> You're saying they're overrated and you have them going 13 and three. If you think they're overrated, you'd have them going nine and seven for like the 18th year in a row. Not 13 and three. If I think a team is overrated, I'm not going to have them going as good as what everybody else is saying. It's like, oh, I don't think this team's that good. or I think this team's underrated. I would have the underrated team going better than what people are saying and the overrated team go worse. I wouldn't have an underrated team go 2-14. and 14. That doesn't make any sense. If they're underrated and you haven't gone 2-14, and 14, you must be thinking that everybody's saying they're going 0-16 or 1-15. So you're saying the Browns this year and the Bears this year are worse than the Cincinnati Bengals last year. What? They're not. The Bears actually have a competent defense. The Bears, the Browns, my bad, got so much better on offense. You're saying they're worse than the Bengals last year. The Kansas City Chiefs finished 12 and 4 last year, if my if my memory serves me right. Let me look this up real quick. I got my NFL teams thing pulled up because I got another uh 
I got another topic that we're going to do later in the day. That the Chiefs last year, the Super Bowl champ Kansas City Chiefs, went 12 and 4. The Kansas City Chiefs, 12 and 4. You have the Tennessee Titans finishing 13 and 3. I think the Titans will be a playoff team. But you're saying they're overrated while also having them finishing 13-3 and don't line up. How can a team be overrated while also your prediction is that the Titans finish 13-3? and And the Jaguars, uh, according to him, are just right at 1-50. <laughs> oh my god, it's inside the game is their Instagram account. Good Lord. 24-7 NFL coverage established February 10th, 2019. This is the dumbest Instagram page I've ever discovered in my entire life. I'm going to see if he's posted anything or she again. uh, I'm going to see what they've posted since last night. They haven't posted anything. So this is the last thing they posted 12 hours ago. This is some of the third comment on here. Titans are so overrated. No, the national media has them overrated. Not him. (laughs) This is his logical prediction. Overrated at 13 and three. Good Lord. (laughs) I don't, I don't know what to say. I do not know what to say about that Instagram account. I just good Lord. That's all I could say. That's all I can say about this Instagram account. But, uh, Man, interesting to say the least, can't isn't it? Wow, good lord. Uh, before we get into more talking points here, let's celebrate seven one six day, Buffalo's area code seven one six. It's Buffalo Day, essentially. You'll see Buffalo stuff posted all over social media, with Bills fans tweeting "Happy seven one six day." Or just doing random things, wearing their Bill stuff. I got a Bill sweatshirt on right now to celebrate 716 Day. So go have yourself a Buffalo Wing. Not from Buffalo Wild Wings. Go, go somewhere else and celebrate 716 Day. While also wearing your Bills gear. And this was interesting. Yesterday, last night, New Era, which is the sponsor of the Bills Stadium, which used to be called Ralph Wilson Stadium, is dropping, is pulling out of the naming rights of the stadium. New Era is from Buffalo. Their headquarters is in Buffalo, New York. So it makes sense to have New Era sponsor the Bills Stadium. And uh, the problem is, New Era can't afford right now to sponsor an NFL stadium. Out of all, out of sponsors go, as sponsors go for stadiums and stuff, NFL stadiums have to be the most. I don't know the exact numbers, but... Sponsoring an NFL stadium has to be freaking expensive. And so much so, during COVID-19, it's pretty much impossible to keep that going. Like, we, I was listening to Barstool Radio yesterday, and Robert De Niro is going to go broke. He's barely going to make, he'd be lucky to make, I think it said, $7 million this year. Oh, man. The pain. The pain. But it's going to be hard. It's hard for these companies to pay for these sponsors for these stadiums. And so they've been laying off a lot of people because they can't, again, they can't afford to employ people, let alone <laughs> sponsor a freaking NFL stadium. 
So new era is done. New era field is no more. The short-lived era of new era field. I think it's been about like only two years, two or three years since they started na- sponsoring the stadium. But that spawned up a lot of Bills fans to come up with their own names for New Era Field or the Ralph or Rich Stadium as a lot of Bills fans like myself grew up knowing. So Buffalo Fanatics, one of my favorite Instagram pages out there, uh, posted a bunch of different names for the stadium. You have Mighty Stadium, which is Mighty Taco. It's basically Buffalo's version of Tasty Tacos, where it's a local thing. They're not the same as Tasty Tacos. They're just normal flour tortillas. They're not deep fried. They're everything, but it's a Buffalo thing. If you're not from Buffalo, you probably don't like it as much. I thought it was all right, but one of our friends at the Des Moines Bills backers loves it, but we just think it's all right. Like when my cousins come from Chicago and come to Des Moines, we go to Tasty Tacos every once in a while. It's like, they're like, it's all right, but I love it. Bebop's is universal, but Tasty Tacos is something that's like, ah, you're from there. You absolutely love it and adore it. If not, it's all right. That's Mighty Taco for you. Uh, Wegmans Field, Wedge, Wedgmans Field. Now, I'm not 100% sure what Wedgmans is. I'm guessing it's, oh, it's a grocery store. I was going to guess it's something like golf equipment. <laughs> But uh, it's not. It's um, it is in fact a grocery store, pretty much. It's like Albertsons out west, in Hy-Vee here, uh, or uh, Fairway, I guess. No, more Hy-Vee, because I guess there might be Wedgman's other other places, but that's number two on here. Next one, Labatt Stadium. Uh, if you don't know what Labatt Blue is, it's a Canadian beer, but their headquarters is in Buffalo, New York. Uh, my dad and I went there with the aforementioned friend from the Bills Backers' parents, like two years ago, I think. Uh, it was brand new. It just opened up. And it's like the unofficial official beer of the Buffalo Bills and just everything Buffalo. It's it good. I can I can attest to that. So, Labatt, I could actually see that being the name of the stadium. But, again, this is just the fake ones. There's probably going to be some big sponsor. If Buffalo Wild Wings sponsors the stadium, Bills fans will riot. Uh, West Hare field which is a car dealership out in buffalo big fans of josh allen and the bills steve tasker's been on commercials josh allen as we said has been in commercials for west hair auto uh Kaleda health as a children's hospital or Kaleda field is a children's hospital over in buffalo if my memory serves me correctly uh roswell park which is a comprehensive cancer center i had to read the tiny text below because i didn't know what it was some of these things, I know what they are, but the other things, I, I don't. <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry. I just don't. Uh, Rich Stadium, which is the name of when the Bills were absolutely dominating in the 90s. One of the best home fields in the NFL when it was called the Rich or Rich Stadium. Which, if I... If I know right, I think Rich is a cigarette company, a food company. Oh, well, <laughs> that was wrong. It's a Buffalo-based food products company signed a 25-year deal, 25-year, $1.5 million deal uh, to be the stadium to be called Rich Stadium. And uh, yeah, obviously, I don't. I know quite a few Buffalo products. 
I obviously don't know everything, because I was under the impression that that's what it was, but I might be thinking of something different in NASCAR, which would make a lot more sense. Uh, Weber's Field. It is brand mustard and relishes. <laughs> Xerox Field and Kodak Stadium. I'm not going to go keep going through all of these things. But, yeah, those are the ones from Buffalo Fanatics. There's another page this morning that tweeted them out. Uh, Tesla Field, which is Nikola Tesla. There's a statue of him up in Niagara Falls, Canada. So you can go look up at that. But that would make Tesla I could definitely see there. Uh, Duff's Field, which is like the spot, the wing sponsor of the Buffalo Bills. Uh, delicious wings. Second best wings, in my opinion, in Buffalo and the world. I would go with Barbell Tavern first, and then Duff's, then Anchor Bar, if I'm being honest. If I'm choosing between Duff's and Anchor Bar, I'm choosing Duff's. Duff's is awesome. And their beef on WEC is amazing as well. Uh, the Hub. Uh, I'm going to let you use your imagination on what <laughs> The Hub is. <laughs> duh, duh, uh, read as much into that as you want because it's exactly what you're thinking. Um, I'm not going to read out what it actually is because I, I got standards here on The Logan Blackman Show. But The Hub just... You let your imagination flourish with that one. And then Ralph Wilson stadium, which won't happen, but you know what? That's the old name of the stadium. So yeah, they'll do that one. I mean, those are the names of the stadium of new era Felix. We're going to call it new era Felix. That's technically what it is. I mean, it won't be, well, actually it's not anymore, but it was yesterday. It was this time yesterday. So we'll count it, but none of those names are the names of what it should be called. Those are all good names. They're all uh, nice names. Like, oh, Duff's, Labatt's, uh, Rich. Like, all these things. Local, Buffalo things. West Hair. All these things. Plata Health would be similar to Children's Mercy Park down in Kansas City for Sporting Kansas City. But none of these are the right names. The right name is the Logan Blackman Show Stadium. <laughs> Obviously. Logan Blackman Show Stadium. Now, the big question I know you're going to be asking, can we afford the naming rights? Well, I'll just leave you with this. We will have to move some stuff around, but I believe once everything is moved around, we will be able to afford the naming rights to the eventual named, the eventually named the Logan Blackman Show Stadium. It has to be the Logan Blackman Show Stadium. It's not Logan Blackman Show Stadium. The Logan Blackman Show Stadium. We, like, if you remember, I think it was last year, Ohio State tried to trademark the... Like, the Ohio State University, kind of those, like, the Fine Brothers tried to uh, trademark the term React on YouTube. Well, the Logan Blackman Show had the way before the Ohio State University. It'd be a great way to advertise the show, too. Well, we'll forget about the fact that it'll cost us a crap ton of money to pay for the stadium sponsor. But, you know what? We move. Once we get all this money moved around, money transferred over, we will be able to buy the naming rights of the right now event unnamed Buffalo stadium. All right. Well, do we want to call it uh, uh well, oh crap. I'm absolutely blanking right now. Orchard park. Good Lord. I almost forgot where the bill stadium was orchard park, New York. Wow. That was almost, that was very bad. Could have been worse though. I could have just completely forgot about uh, where the bills played, but yeah, New, the Logan Blackman Show Stadium. I can see it now. The Logan Blackman Show Stadium. 
How beautiful is that? That'd be absolutely perfect to see that. I would cry. Tears would roll down my face as that happened. Will it happen? Eventually, sons. Sons and daughters. Eventually, my children. Right now, probably not. But eventually, it can happen. So, yeah. That was our little intro for today's show. I had a couple. I, I wanted to talk about the dumbest. Those are two fun things to start off the show. And I, that Instagram account, good Lord, go and look at it yourself. It is a trip to look at. 6,000 followers on this page. Diaz NFL. Diaz NFL. Crazy. 6,000 followers. How the hell is that allowed to happen? <laughs> I don't understand that at all. But we moved. You know what? Hopefully, the Logan Blackman show will grow past Diaz NFL. Diaz Day NFL. Still don't know how to say it. But you know what? We will eventually figure out how to say this impossible name. <laughs> But yeah, let's just let's just move on. I guess I'm losing brain cells talking about the Instagram account. If it makes sense to you to call a team overrated while also having them finish 13 and three, if that makes sense to you, good on you. But uh, yeah, it doesn't make a lot of sense to me. I'm sorry about that. If it makes sense to you, and you're like, ah, oh, it makes so much sense. Uh, yeah. Underrated. This team is underrated. I think they'll go two and 14. <laughs> this team is extremely overrated. My prediction is three, 13 and three for uh, this team. 13 and three, not three, 13 and three. 13 and three. What a ridiculous. Ah, oh, jeez. You have to just not think before you post something, too. Like, if, uh, I'm not, I'm not, I'm going to stop talking about it. I'm going to stop talking about it. But uh, we have games in La Liga today. Title races are, I guess, still technically on Barcelona. Four points back of Real Madrid. Reminder. Real Madrid play Villarreal, so there's still a chance they lose today. Real Madrid, uh, Villarreal, my bad, sit fifth in La Liga. They've lost two of their last three, but you know what? We move. So Villarreal versus Real Madrid. This is Barcelona's one chance at somehow getting their hands on the La Liga trophy. Because if, if Real Madrid don't lose to Villarreal, it's over. Because then even if, well, there's, I guess there's a chance that Barcelona Actually, no, if they beat them and Barcelona win, even if they lose, they're still four points back. So, yeah, they need them to lose today because they can't – even if they win – like, they're, Real Madrid is not going to lose on Sunday. They play Leganes. Leganes right now in La Liga sit 18th. Granted, they've won two of their last three games. So, the other one being a draw. So, maybe they're in hot run of form and they're going to beat up in Real Madrid on Sunday. I don't foresee it, but Barcelona play Osasuna, who sit 11th in La Liga today, and then on Sunday, they will be playing Deportivo Alaves, who will be in 17th place, who have lost five of the last six games and drawing the only one of that run, their last game. So, congratulations, Deportivo Alaves. You're tied Getafe, which is bad for Getafe. They sit sixth in La Liga right now, but they've been struggling since the restarts happened as well. But Real Madrid... Got this thing locked down. They're four points clear of Barcelona right now. Barcelona need a miracle loss or miracle win for Villarreal. And at most a draw. Because they're not losing. I'm sorry, Barca fans. But they're not losing to Leganes. I cannot foresee that. Draw, that's your only hope. And you need to not drop points. 
You can't afford to do that. What you've already screwed yourselves twice, two ga- three games ago, where you drew two games back-to-back. So you kind of screwed yourself there. But you know what? Whatever. You guys win the league all the time. You're going to probably win it next year, so it doesn't matter. Uh, in the Premier League, again, season's over. Essentially, we already made fun of Liverpool and Manchester City for Man City's complete lack of a title challenge of Liverpool's complete lack of respect for every team in the Premier League since winning the Premier League title. Uh, but we got some other games going on. Bournemouth, they just lost yesterday to Manchester City. So they just sit on 31 points. Aston Villa have a game in hand. So if Aston Villa win today against Everton, which Everton haven't been playing great in the last three games, they've lost two and their last six, they've won only two. So there's a chance that Aston Villa can get a surprise victory over Everton and Watford. They'll play tomorrow against West Ham. So one of those teams will be on 34 points tomorrow, unless it ends in a draw, then they'll both be on 35. But if they end up on 34 points, it'll be one point behind them in the relegation race with three games left to go for Aston Villa and the West Ham and Watford. So yeah, there's still a chance that Aston Villa stay up in the Premier League. A small one, but still a chance. I think Bournemouth have pretty much just accepted the fact they're going down. Uh, They had that random win the other day against Leicester, which still confuses me, still baffles me to this day, which I guess wasn't that long ago, but still baffles me. But yeah, it's going to get crazy in the relegation battle. So as we said, Aston Villa play Everton, West Ham and Watford play each other tomorrow. And Bournemouth play again on Sunday against Southampton, who have been looking pretty decent. Not great, but decent since the restarts happened. Only losing one of their last six games. So, I mean, pretty good stuff. Danny Ings is third in the league in goal scoring this year with 19 goals. 42% of Southampton's goals have come from Danny Ings, which is the most in the Premier League. So if he's firing for him, I don't see a lot of hope in hell for Bournemouth to stay up this year. But Manchester United, America's team, is playing against Crystal Palace today. Uh, Leicester will be playing Sheffield United. And this is basically to get up to number four for Manchester United. Better goal differential, Leicester has, then Manchester United. Plus 29 to plus 26 for Manchester United. Man, you need to win this game. They cannot afford to drop points again like they did against Southampton, which was miserable. Had chances, just didn't finish them. And then just allowed Southampton to creep back in the game where it was just too late to start a comeback. You can't drop points today against Crystal Palace. That is that is a no. Leicester against Sheffield. Sheffield have looked really good recently since the start of the restart. The start of the restart, they lost back-to-back games 3-0. But since then, they've won three and lost only one in their last four games. So right now, in form speaks, form is in favor of Sheffield United, who with Leicester... Losing two of their last four and only winning one of their last four. So form right now is in Sheffield's hands. In their last six games, Leicester have only won one game. So please, Sheffield, Dean Henderson, help your parent club out and get the win over Leicester today. Manchester United will play a little bit later today. Sheffield versus Leicester will be on at 1800, which is English time, so I don't know what it is over here. I'm going to guess Manchester United play at 115 or 215 or something, and Leicester will play, that means, at, uh, because it's military time, but it's also over in England time, so I don't know where to go with this. (laughs) Ah, whatever. We move. 
we move. Uh, the MLS is back tournament. We forgot to talk about this yesterday, but there was games yesterday, and teams have moved on to the knockout stage of the MLS back tournament. Orlando City and Philadelphia Union have advanced. Now, seeding still needs to be determined, but Inter-Miami and, and, and NYCFC will be battling for that third-place spot in Group A. Now, there were games going on last night, which none of them were on TV, to my knowledge, because... No one really cared about these. <laughs> about these, but uh, the Vancouver Whitecaps played the San Jose Earthquakes an exciting game. Three to four was the final in favor of the San Jose Earthquakes, and a lot of the goals came later in the game. You had a goal coming in the 72nd minute from Chris Wondolowski. Then you had Oswaldo Alines getting a goal in the 81st minute, in the 90th plus seventh minute, Shea Salinas gets a goal there. Christian Jajome. Gets a goal in the 59th minute. Well, Vancouver's up 3-1. to one. And then San Jose battles back with the greatest goal scorer in MLS history, Chris Wondolowski, coming off the bench, getting a goal in the 72nd minute. Nine minutes after he comes on to get a big-time win over the Vancouver Whitecaps. Right now, we have Atlanta United taking on FC Cincinnati. 0-0 is the score right now with a red card. For Atlanta United coming the way of Mulraney. He got the red card in the 26th minute. Got the yellow card in the 20, the 12th. Got the red card in the 26th. Which made uh, Atlanta United switch to a 4-4-2 formation. With FC Cincinnati sitting way back. Just trying not to allow four goals past him again. Sitting in a 5-3-2 formation. But yeah. Already a man down for Atlanta United. And not great. Philadelphia Union, as we said, locked in their spot. They won last night against the, or when was this? I'm on who scored. So their times are all in English. So it says three o'clock. I, so I don't know if it was the last, I'm guessing last night. They won two to one against Inter Miami. So Inter Miami have an uphill battle to climb to make it to the knockout stages of the MLS's back term. Orlando City and NYCFC still to play coming up this is hard to read i usually read this off the wikipedia page because this is this is impossible to read <laughs> it's because it's not all the game like there was one game played on wednesday but they also got four other games there like it's just so hard to to read <laughs> i can't read this it's it's difficult the Premier league all the other leagues are easy to read the mls on this website has always been an impossible task to figure out what it's trying to say when the games actually are it's very very frustrating. But yes, the MLS's back tournament is into their second round of group stage games with some teams locking up a place so far in the knockout stages of the MLS is back tournament. So with that being said, let's get into our big point of today's show. And I I kind of forgot I was going to do this today because I had a screenshot on my phone. It's like, oh, that'd be a pretty good idea to do. But I discovered it yesterday while we were doing Stay Woke Wednesday. And I'd save it for today. So for today, we have the top 10 most interesting teams in the NFL. I think we did one before the draft. So this is our prior or post draft with all the teams getting their new things going on and all that stuff. I don't remember the last time when we did this, but we have done this in the past. It has definitely changed. One, why, how do I know this? Because I don't have the same paper anymore because I threw it away. Because I cleared out a lot of stuff from my laptop. That's one of the things I threw away. Was a lot of the old 
I, I guess you could call them scripts, the little playlist, I guess, the little play sheet, play calling sheet, I guess. I don't really know what you want to call it. But it's changed because there's a lot of different things that have happened. The draft has happened, first off. So, yeah, we are here, and we're going to go right through this top 10 list of top 10 most interesting teams for the upcoming season, starting off at number 10. Now, this is subject to change as I'm talking. Maybe I don't want to do any more. Or after I'm done talking about it, I will throw in some honorable mentions if I feel like this. I don't feel like this list is that fantastic. I did it within like five minutes. And yeah, uh, we'll go through it though. Number 10, the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, Super Bowl champs. Signed the biggest contract in sports history to Patrick Mahomes. Chris Jones, one of the best interior pass rushers in the league. Gets a nice little extension himself. Got Mahomes' backup figured out. What will the Chiefs do this year? Last year, they had to battle the fact that Patrick Mahomes dislocated his kneecap against the Denver Broncos last year. So he was out for quite a few games. Or not quite. I think he was out for like two games, two or three games. But came back and just looked as good as he always does. And the scary part about Patrick Mahomes is that he's not the finished product yet. And he's already the best quarterback in the NFL, which is scary about Patrick Mahomes. And I hate it. And also the question I got on here, a lot of people, or not a lot of people, but NFL execs, I saw this back when they won the Super Bowl. I think I brought this up back in February, I think. I know I saw it. I don't know if I actually brought it up or not. But some NFL execs believe the Kansas City Chiefs are the new New England Patriots, which is a scary thought for quite a bit of people out there. Because, no, we don't want another New England Patriots. We're tired to see the Patriots do good. Well, yeah, the Patriots won't do it anymore because, according to the NFL execs, Kansas City Chiefs are the new Patriots, which sucks because they're closer to home than the Patriots are. Yes, I hate the Patriots. Yes, Tom Brady has more wins at the Bills Stadium than all Bills quarterbacks since Tom Brady's been in the league, which is very sad, but the Patriots don't affect me at home. They affect me on TV, and they affect me emotionally, but they don't affect me at home. I have one friend who's a Patriots fan, and I give him a pass because he's from Rhode Island. So you can't, he's one of those people where you go, he's actually a legit Patriots fan. He's not one of these fair weather people that started liking the Patriots because they're good, which is a lot of people that are my age. Because my entire life, the Patriots have been, more so my sister's life, because she's two years younger than me, the Patriots have been dominant, have been amazing. But prior to that, Patriots sucked. So there's a lot of people that are like, I hate the Patriots. I love the Patriots because they're so good. I don't have a problem with them winning all the time. I don't. That doesn't bother me. It's the fact that they just crap on my team all the time. Tom Brady has more wins at the Bills Stadium than any Bills quarterback since Tom Brady has been in the league. How sad is that? They have a cha- They play eight games a year there. Tom Brady plays twice there a year. And he has more wins than the Bills quarterbacks do, which is sad, but I fully expect Josh Allen to pass that sometime soon because <laughs> no one else is passing it for this time, which he should definitely pass it sometime soon. But the Chiefs will affect me at home because I am surrounded by Kansas City Chiefs fans in the great state of Iowa. Because so we got Des Moines is three hours away from Kansas City. If that. So there's a lot of Chiefs fans up here in Des Moines. One of my best friends is a Chiefs fan. 
I've been to a Chiefs game with him, and good Lord, it is miserable. I've been to a lot of Chiefs games, to be honest. Well, not a lot, but I've been to quite a few Chiefs games. My team has come out the victors, I think, once. <laughs> Maybe twice. I hate the Chiefs. I hate that they're so likable. Because who doesn't love Andy Reid? Who doesn't like Patrick Mahomes? Tyreek Hill is obviously not the most likable person out there, but he's fun to watch. Tyron Matthew. A lot of people love Tyron Matthew. Man, why do they got to be so close to home, man? <laughs> because if I didn't live in Iowa, I don't think I'd hate the Chiefs. I think if I was born out in Buffalo, I don't think I'd really hate the Chiefs that much. Now, the Bills and Chiefs kind of had a kind of had some battles in the 90s with Joe Montana going over to Kansas City. had Derek Thomas there as well. But nothing crazy. As we talked about the other day, when was this? Was it the other day, Monday? We ranked the MVPs? Or was that Tuesday? I don't remember. But Joe Montana played the Bills in the AFC Championship game. I don't think I'd hate the Chiefs as much as I do right now. But, man, it comes with the territory living in Iowa. Number nine, the Baltimore Ravens. Uh, they finished 14-2 and last year. The Lamar Jackson was something that nobody's ever seen before last year. A lot of people do the lazy comparison comparing to Michael Vick. Lamar Jackson's a thousand times the quarterback Michael Vick was. Playmaker, you can compare him. But as a quarterback, Lamar is way better. Lamar's more accurate. Lamar doesn't have as strong of an arm. Michael Vick had an absolute piss can of an arm. Not the most accurate arm of all time. But he could throw it 100 yards easily. There's that freaking, I think it's a Gatorade commercial? Might be a Nike commercial. Where he just launches the football out of the Rose Bowl or LA Memorial Coliseum. One of those two stadiums. It's out in Los Angeles. One of those two stadiums. But he had an absolute piss cannon. Absolute hose. Absolute snot rocket of an arm. But wasn't accurate. Lamar is a way better quarterback than Vic was. And at the time when Vic was dominating in Atlanta, and Vic is, he said this was not the greatest person of all time. Not just because of the dog fighting, but because of all the other things. Like, he wasn't very he wasn't a very good person. He had some bad people around him when he was dominating in Atlanta. He wasn't really focusing. If the Michael Vick we saw in Philly was the same Michael Vick we saw throughout his entire career, Michael Vick is a first ballot Hall of Famer. Vick, one of the greatest uh, athletes the NFL's ever seen, but not a Hall of Famer. Lamar is way better in terms of a quarterback than Vick. But the thing that Vic did early on in his career that Lamar has not done, win a playoff game. Michael Vic walked into Green Bay where they had not lost a playoff game in however many years, I think since Brett Favre had been the quarterback, and goes in with Atlanta and beats the Packers at Lambeau Field and goes to an NFC Championship game early in his career. Lamar has been to two playoff games and has not looked good in either one of them. So, is this starting to get a little worrying for Ravens fans? Oh, he's awesome in the regular season, but he sucks in the postseason. He's a new, he's the football version of Clayton Kershaw. Like, oh, man, he's the best pitcher in baseball. He turns into Logan Blackman pitching when it comes to the postseason. Lamar Jackson against the Chargers was horrific until the fourth quarter. And then last year against the Titans, you can say it was somewhere on the receivers because there was a lot of balls that hit them in the helmets. But Lamar didn't play great that game either. They contained Lamar Jackson in that game. Then you have Derrick Henry absolutely embarrassing Earl Thomas. It's not a great year for Earl Thomas last year. (laughs) But is 
how will NFL teams adjust to Lamar Jackson in the regular season? <clears throat> the NFL is they adjust. They don't really sit on things for that short, long period of time and just go, ah, how do we defeat this guy? It's usually, we got an idea, let's do it. Patriots adapt better than anybody, but teams do adapt. So how will teams adapt to Lamar Jackson next year or this upcoming season? Time will tell, but it's still very interesting team. Defensively, they got better. They got an inside linebacker in Patrick Queen. They got Calais Campbell from Jacksonville. They got two of the best corners, probably the best corner duo in the NFL and their team with Marlon Humphrey and Marcus Peters. They got better. And a lot of people think they're going to get worse than 14-2, but their schedule is the easiest in the NFL. And against the run, it's not very that difficult either, which is the same thing that happened last year. Easy run schedule, which is why they dominated and went 14-2. and two. They're in a division with the Cincinnati Bengals. They're not in a super tough division. The Steelers, Browns, and Bengals are not the hardest teams to beat in the world. I think the Steelers will be better this year because they actually got a competent quarterback there. But I think the Ravens will still run the show in that division. But how will they do this year? That's the big question for the Ravens. Very interesting team. Number eight, the Dallas Cowboys. You got Dak's contract situation. You got a team that constantly fails to live up to expectations. Constantly around 500. While the expectations are Super Bowl. You're the Dallas Cowboys. You are the biggest brand in the NFL. And you're winning eight games a season with that roster. Dak, Zeke. Mari Cooper, now you got CeeDee Lamb there, the best off, one of the best offensive lines in the NFL. Defensively, DeMarcus Lawrence, you had Gerald McCoy, you have Leighton Vander Esch, Jalen Smith. You lost Byron Jones, it's a big loss, but you got Trayvon Diggs in the draft. Will the Cowboys actually be a good team this year? Will they just be 500 again, or 9-7? and seven? Time will tell. So much talent. Can they actually handle it? And what Dak's going to do? this season as well is going to be very, very interesting. His mind is going to be somewhere else, which has happened before about players' minds just go off into something else. This situation is a contract. So I'll have to wait and see. Number seven, the Chicago Bears. Trubisky or Foles? That's the main part. And can this offense actually help out the defense? Because if the offense is just average, the Bears will be fine. The Bears just need average offense because their defense can carry them. They've got an elite defense. Offensively, they've got talent. Allen Robinson, David Montgomery, Tariq Cohen, a thousand tight ends. Try to get David Njoku to get him, like, I think 11 tight ends. <laughs> but the offense is the big question mark here. This team was 11-5 and five two years ago. And now they went, what is it, 6-10, and 7-9 last year? This team's better than that. They just need semi-decent play on offense, and they'll be fine. Number six, the Arizona Cardinals. Expectations are back. Well, not according to DSD NFL. They are overrated. While also going 11-5 at the same, same breath. <laughs> but the Cardinals have some exciting pieces. I talked about this on my show last year, or the, last fall. Cardinals aren't that far off. Which is hard to believe because they had a top 10 pick this year. But really, they're not that far off. Offensively, 
they have pieces to be actually good. Kyler Murray in year two, I expect to be a lot better than Kyler Murray in year one, which is how things usually go. And they don't happen all the time. Sometimes there's a regression from year two. You saw that in Baker Mayfield last year. But I expect an ex- uh, a rise in Kyler Murray's play come year two. You got DeAndre Hopkins there. Larry Legend's there. You got Christian Kirk, Andy Isabella, Akeem Butler's coming back from injury, a new and improved offensive line with Josh Jones coming in from Houston, partnering up with DJ Humphreys on the outside. You got Isaiah Simmons, the best playmaker in the draft, my favorite player in last year's draft. Chandler Jones is still there. Patrick Peterson's still there. Byron Jones is, or uh, Byron Mitch, what's his name? The corner they drafted last year uh, from Washington. I don't remember his name, but he's still there. You got good players. You got a team that's fit around what your coach wants to do. This is a good team, getting better team. Now, they would be a lot better if they flip divisions with, I don't know, the Eagles or something. Because playing, or yeah, let's go with the Eagles or the Saints. But because you're in a division with the two best teams in the NFC in the 49ers and the Seattle Seahawks. That's going to be hard to do anything in that division. That division has the most quarterback talent in the entire NFL. Between Murray, Goff, Garoppolo, and Wilson, there's not that evenly spread of quarterbacks throughout a division except in the NFC West. You got a lot of old Donnies in the NFC South with Ryan, Breeze, and Brady. You got some good quarterbacks up here in Stafford, Rodgers, and Kirk Cousins, but the Bears don't know their quarterback situation. The uh, NFC East... Three teams looked to have their quarterback situation figured out. Eagles are the only one that are guaranteed. Dak might leave soon, even though he's franchise tagged this year. Giants, Daniel Jones, I don't know if he's legit. He had a good rookie year, but is he actually legit? 18 fumbles. Again, I will not stretch that enough. And the Redskins don't know if they like Dwayne Haskins or not. AFC East, Darnold's just not that good right now. Patriots got Cam Newton. Dolphins have Fitzpatrick and Tua. Bills have Josh Allen. But not overall, division-wise, are they the best? NFC North, Lamar, Joe Burrow, Baker, Big Ben. Very good distribution of quarterbacks there, but I would still take the NFC East, er, West. Then the AFC South, Deshaun, Phillip, Gardner, Minshew, Ryan Tannehill. That's arguably the worst division in football when it comes to quarterbacks. Deshaun Watson, top five quarterback in the league, but the rest of them, uh, maybe some of them, they're pushing, like, Maybe pushing top 13, but they're the only division where they have don't have multiple quarterbacks in the top 10. In the AFC West, actually, here's another one. Uh, Locke has got a lot of potential. They got Patty Mahomes, best QB in the league. Derek Carr's all right, and Tyra Taylor's an all right transition quarterback. But the NFC West has great quarterback talent. And the Cardinals just started getting good or getting to average. because They're, they're going to keep getting better. At least you, one would think so. And I wasn't a big fan of the Cliff Kingbury hiring to begin with because he got fired from Texas Tech and got a promotion in the NFL after getting fired. Which is crazy to me. But they're looking like they're building something nice. And the Cardinals actually got expectations this year, which they haven't had in years. Since the Kurt Warner days, pretty much. Actually, no, he had expectations with the Carson Palmer days, but for like a year. I think they went 13-3 and and they got hurt or something. And then John Skelton had to go play quarterback against the Panthers or Shelton, whatever his last name was. Uh, number five, the Buffalo Bills. Uh, favorites to win the division. The Indianapolis Colts, fun fact, have won an AFC's title more recently than the Buffalo Bills. 
The Colts haven't been in the AFC East in, I think, 20 years. Somewhere around that. Because they were there in Peyton Manning's early years, and then they left, like, in year three or something. That's ridiculous. The Patriots have had a stranglehold on that division for the last 20 years, and the Bills are actually favorites to win the division with Jim Kelly, Bills legend, according to my dad, the greatest quarterback of all time, came out and said, there's something wrong with this team and they don't win the division. There is. They have to win the division. Their division is the weakest it's been in years. The Patriots are down. They lost two really good players on defense in Kyle Van Noy and Jamie Collins. You lost your starting quarterback the last 20 years in Tom Brady. They're trying to trade their starting guard in Thuy or Thuny. I don't, I don't know. They're trying to trade him. At least it looks like it. Receiving core is not great. It's good, not great. Don't have a tight end, really. Trying to get Njoku, it looks like. This is the weakest they've been in a very long time. you got to take advantage of this situation. That's why they're interesting. Josh Allen, year three. High expectations for him coming from myself. They got digs this offseason. Great acquisition. AJ Epineza, great value pick at pick 57 or 50, whatever pick, 54. First pick, Zach Moss, a very similar running back to Devin Singletary. Was second in the NCAA last year, I believe. Second or third in broken tackles last year. With Devin Singletary was first or second the year prior to that. Bills got better. And they already had a good team last year, but they're going to be even better this year. They have to win the division. They're so interesting this year. It's going to be so fun to watch to see if they actually live up to expectations. If they don't, it's going to be miserable. Number four, the Denver Broncos. The huge, big money acquisitions or not big money, but just big acquisitions this offseason. You had Cortland Sutton, a legit number one wide receiver in the NFL. You had Drew Locke, who looks like he has a ton of talent. Looks like an insanely good quarterback. We don't know, but he looks like it right now. To help your young quarterback, you get the likes of Jerry Judy and KJ Hamler. And you got his college tight end, who I'm just going to call Albert because I can't say his last name. So now, you went from last season where you had Corlin Sutton and Noah Fant only outside, to now you have a, a big-time target in Corlin Sutton, Jerry Judy, that some people considered the best wide receiver in the draft last year, or this past year, and KJ Hamler, one of the fastest, best slot guys in this draft, if not the best slot guy in the draft this past year. And then getting his college tight end. To partner that with Philip Lindsay in the backfield, also getting Melvin Gordon, you got Jarrell Casey for the defensive line because you lost Garrett Wolf, or Derek Wolf to Baltimore. And then you got A.J. Bowie. You replaced Chris Harris with A.J. Bowie or Bouye. I don't know why I would say his name weird, but they made some big acquisitions this offseason. Very important acquisitions. And Broncos fans, there's actually going to be expectations for this team. They're going to be a good team. They had a lot of very close games last year. And if Drew Locke elevates his game like a lot of people are expecting him to, including myself, the Broncos will be a very tough team. Beat the Chiefs, not for the division. They might beat them in Denver, but they're going to be pushing them a little bit, more than the Chiefs have in the recent years. Because in the recent years, the Chiefs and the AFC West, there hasn't been a lot of challengers. Raiders haven't been good. The Chargers were good two years ago, where they beat Kansas City in Arrowhead. But for the vast majority of the Chiefs' time in the last 10 years, Chiefs have dominated the division. 
I think they've won the past six or seven division titles. I could be wrong on that, but the Broncos are looking like a good team in Drew Locke's second year. They just uh, they either re-signed or franchise tag Justin Simmons yesterday. One of the best, most underrated safeties in the NFL. Bradley Chubb and Von Miller both back and healthy. Again, Terrell Casey's there. They had some good. They made some good off-season acquisitions. They got Michael Ojemudia to be the other corner opposite of AJ Bouye. They got Bryce Callahan still there for a nickel corner. Uh, Kareem Jackson's still there, or there was he there last year? No, I'm I'm doubting myself. Yes, he was there last year. He came over last year. You got Jeremiah Tauchu. I kind of forgot was still in the NFL. Josie Jewell's there still. There's actually expectations for the Denver Broncos. Lloyd Cushenberry from LSU got him this offseason. Could be an interior lineman. Nete Moody, one of the strongest guys in last year's draft. They're got, they got talent on this roster. And that makes them very interesting. I don't know how good they're going to be, but they're going to be a better team than what they were last year. Number three, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Actual expectations going into this season. Best offensive weapons in the NFL. Godwin, Evans, Gronk, OJ Howard. You got Tristan Wirfs this offseason. You got a slowly but surely improving Ronald Jones in the backfield. And then you got Thomas Edward Brady. The greatest quarterback the NFL has ever seen. It's going to be crazy. Buccaneers fans haven't had any expectations since they won the Super Bowl with Brad Johnson as a quarterback. If you look at the Buccaneers history, you could either throw Brad Johnson or Jameis Winston as the greatest quarterback in Bucs history, and that is very sad. Tom Brady's the greatest quarterback of all time. He's not going to turn it over 30 times like Jameis Winston did last year. Tom Brady is slowly declining, showed that last year, but when in saying that, Tom Brady's might go off and throw for 5,000 yards this year. Because that's just the person Tom Brady is. But the Bucs have expectations. Higher than ever. Higher than years. Bucks aren't a bad team. They just turned it over so much last year. And now they got the GOAT. So we'll see how they do this year. Uh, number two. Do I want to flip these two teams around? Yeah, we'll flip them around. Number two, the Cleveland Browns. Uh, can they meet expectations? They got so much expectations going into the season. Baker in year three. In year two, he sucked. He was terrible. He almost threw more interceptions than touchdowns last year. Baker was not good last year. I think he was second in the NFL in interceptions last year, which is not great for a developing quarterback, for his confidence. But Baker, unlike the likes of Sam Darnold, is not lacking confidence. That's one thing Baker Mayfield is not lacking, is confidence. They just signed Miles Garrett. Their defense is, imp- is still a very decent defense. <laughs> you got some good pieces on defense. Let's just say it like that. Denzel Ward, one of the best lockdown corners, one of the most underrated lockdown corners in the NFL. Then you've got a uh, dude on the other side, Greedy Williams from LSU. You got him last year's draft. You got Miles Garrett coming back on an offense. Austin Hooper got two offensive tackles. And Jack Conklin for the right side. Jedrick Wills from the left side. And then wide receivers are still Odell and Jarvis Landry with Nick Chubb, one of the best running backs in the NFL behind you. If the Browns are smart, they are going to be a power run team. They're going, they have to be a power run team. Nick Chubb can carry the load on this team. 
And then you got Kareem Hunt back him up. So even if he gets hurt, you got a very, very, very capable backup behind him. The Browns are going to win the division, I don't think, sitting here on July 16th, 2020. But they're going to be good. I fully expect them to be good. I expected them to win around 10 games this year, 9 or 10 games this year. And number one, the New England Patriots. Uh, Tom Brady is gone. There is no Thomas Edward Brady in New England. Now, the quarterback you you replace him with is Cam Newton, the antithesis of Thomas Edward Brady. Mobile, bigger arm, way more athletic, a bigger person than Tom Brady. How will he fit in New England? That's the question. Because a lot of people, without Cam, had the Patriots going around 6-10 and 10 or 8-8. and eight. I had them going, I think in my last prediction, I had them going 7-9 and nine or 8-8. Eight and eight, Which is, which feels weird, choosing a Patriots record. But that's what I had. And it was weird, and I didn't like it, because I feel like the Patriots are going to win 12 games now. Man, Patriots are intriguing this year. As we said, lost Kyle Van Noy. Lost Jamie Collins this offseason. Secondary is still very, very good. He's got the best corner in the NFL as one of your corners. Offensively, receiving core is interesting. You got Marquise Lee this offseason to pair with Nikhil Harry and Muhammad Sanu and Julian Edelman. You got a very capable group of running backs that can catch the ball in the backfield. Most notably, James White and Sony Michelle, which is what Cam Newton will like to do in New England. Check down on the running back. Nice little safety net the Patriots have provided there. That makes them so interesting. Cam Newton, the antithesis of Tom Brady, is now the starting quarterback for the team Tom Brady made the greatest dynasty of all time, which is crazy to think about. Tom Brady's in Tampa. Cam Newton's in New England. If you would have told me this five years ago, I would have called you crazy. There was no way, A, Tom Brady was playing anywhere else other than New England, and B, Cam Newton's playing for the Patriots. I could see him playing for another team, not the Patriots. So it's going to be very interesting how the Patriots do this season. And I am extremely intrigued to see what they do. I almost say excited. I'm not excited to see what the Patriots do. I'm intrigued. I'm intrigued to see what the Patriots can do this year. So with that being said, let's end it here on this Thursday edition of the Logan Blackman Show here in the Basement Podcast. I got to get ready to go to work. So I will be signing off here. So have a great rest of your day. Have a great week. And I'll see you tomorrow. Peace.